Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Main Street Finance Podcast. I am, of course, Alex, your host, and today we are going to have a vocabulary lesson. So stick around. You're listening to the Main Street Finance Podcast, where we take the Wall Street bull by the horns to help you achieve your financial goals. Whether it's budgeting, investing, or financial independence, we tackle the big questions in the pursuit of financial literacy. And now, your host. All right, everyone, let's talk today about what it means to be upside down. When used in finance, this term means that you have negative equity in an asset. Now, there's only really one scenario in which you can possibly have negative equity in an asset, and that is when an asset has a loan on it. Let's take a moment and think back to the basic accounting equation, which is assets equals liabilities plus equity. Under the general accounting equation, you have negative equity when the loan you have on an asset is greater than the value of that asset. So if you were to get rid of that asset, you would end up owing money to a lender. This situation is called being upside down. Say you have owned a car for the last three years and you are looking to trade it in for something new. Say that you bought your car for $15,000 and you put $5,000 down as a down payment. This means that you had to get a car note to pay back the remaining $10,000 that you borrowed. Unfortunately for most Americans, the average car loan is getting closer and closer to being six years long, but more on that later. Let's say it's a six-year loan. So since I said you bought the car three years ago, let's ignore interest and say that you've paid off half the loan. So let's look back at our accounting equation. We said your vehicle was purchased for $15,000 three years ago, and that the current loan amount is $5,000. Remember, it was ten, but then we paid half of it off. Assets equals liabilities plus equity. So a $15,000 car minus the $5,000 loan that's on the car means that you have equity in your car of $10,000. So potentially, you could sell the car and get $10,000 cash. Now, some of you might have already caught a problem with that last sentence, so let's go ahead and address that. If you bought a car three years ago and tried to sell it today, do you think you're going to be able to sell it for the same price that you bought it for? How many of you have heard the phrase, your car loses half of its value the second you drive off the lot? For the sake of math, we're going to say that that rule of thumb is the law to really drive this point home for the rest of the episode. What we are referring to here is a concept called depreciation. The technical definition of depreciation is the allocation of the cost of an asset over that asset's useful life. So very quick example. If you have a $1,000 iPhone that is going to last you five years before it becomes completely just obsolete and worthless, your iPhone is going to lose $200 in value every year because it's a $1,000 iPhone, it's only going to be used for five years, so it's going to lose $200 per year, or it's going to depreciate by $200 every year. This is the textbook definition of depreciation. Now, with that all nice and explained, it should be noted that depreciation is only ever that clean and simple on tax returns and in textbooks. What people generally mean when they use the term depreciation is simply that an asset has lost value, therefore it has depreciated. For example, let's take your car. Remember the rule of thumb. The second the car leaves the lot, it loses half of its value. 
Well, a brand new car can easily last, say, 10 years. So how can it depreciate 50% after five minutes of use? Well, that's because no matter what a textbook tells you, an asset's value isn't really determined by its age or its useful life or anything that makes sense. What determines the value of an asset is what someone will pay you for it. Let's go back to our example. We have a $15,000 car with a $5,000 loan, therefore $10,000 in equity. Well, if your car loses half of its value simply because it isn't new and then gets an additional three years of actual use, then the car you purchased for $15,000 might only be worth, say, $6,000 today. And if that car is worth $6,000 and your car loan is worth $5,000, that means you will only have $1,000 in equity in your car. Think about that for a moment. You spent $15,000 on something, and if you sold it today, you'd get maybe six. With that in mind, would you say that a car is an asset that tends to appreciate or gain value, or that it tends to rapidly depreciate or lose value? This is why you get a lot of financial gurus, financial planners, wealth managers, yada, 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 people with much more impressive credentials than me that recommend buying a cheaper car over something big and fancy. At the end of the day, they all get you from point A to point B. But let's change our example slightly. Maybe your particular model of vehicle has had some recalls. Maybe you've gotten into an accident with it, or maybe it just wasn't a very popular model to begin with. So let's say that after three years, your car is only worth $3,000. Well, if your car is only worth $3,000 and you have a $5,000 loan, you now owe more money to the bank than your car is even worth. So you can go to the dealership, sell your car, and still owe the bank $2,000. This is being upside down. So in this situation, if something happens to that car, whether you get into an accident or you decide to sell it, that loan doesn't disappear. You still owe that money. Being upside down on your car is a very bad situation to be in. You are essentially in an inflatable life raft along with a family of porcupines. All it takes is for one wrong move and the water is going to come pouring in. If you get into an accident and your insurance company refuses to pay, or maybe you get into an accident and they fight you on whether or not they have to pay, so they drag out the process for, say, six months. For those six months, you will still have to make car payments on a car that is totaled and sitting in a garage somewhere, and you just don't have it anymore. Even if you don't get into an accident, if you want to just trade your car in for a new one and it's upside down, what happens then? Well, the car dealer is going to be more than happy to get you into a new car today. But what happens to that excess money on the loan? What happens to that negative equity? Well, they're going to add it to your new car loan. So say you are trading in a car with a $2,000 negative balance and you want to buy a $20,000 car with no money down. So your car loan for your $20,000 car is now $22,000 because you still have to pay off that negative $2,000 balance. Let's keep this example going. What is going to happen with your new car? Your new car, which was worth $20,000, will lose half of its value the second you drive off the lot, remember? So by the time you take your brand new car home, you are driving a $10,000 car with a $22,000 loan on it. And if you're the kind of person that has to get a new car every two or three years, 
you are going to keep rolling over a bigger and bigger negative balance and your monthly car payments are just going to keep increasing. This is a vicious cycle with cars. For this episode, I'm going to be grateful that my parents don't listen to this podcast. My mom and stepfather have an, let's say, itch where they get bored with their cars every two years and then they go and trade them in for something else. Trust me, everything I'm saying in this episode, I have had this conversation with them and they are well aware that they roll over a negative balance every time. But hey, they want a new car and they can afford it, so why not? Uh, I'm happy to tell you guys that I saved my sanity by not asking them how much they owe on their cars. Now, if we look nationwide, unfortunately, the times are changing for the worse for American drivers. As I alluded to earlier in this episode, according to the Experian State of the Automotive Finance Market Report for the second quarter of 2020, man, that's a mouthful, the average term for a car loan in America was 71 months, or 5.9 years. In the U.S., banks and finance companies have been slightly extending how long that they will allow you to have a car loan. It used to be that the maximum amount of time you could have a loan on one car was five years. Well, now some companies are allowing up to seven years to pay back your loan. For those of you that are wondering why the loan term matters, the longer the term of a loan is, the more months you have to pay back the loan. The more months you have to pay back the loan means that your loan payments will go down because you are splitting the same loan amount amongst 72 months instead of 60 months. So since it's spread out across more months, the payments go down. Now, if your monthly payments go down, then people can all of a sudden afford bigger loans and bigger cars. Bigger loans means that you can be even further upside down when you go to trade in your vehicle. In short, banks allowing longer car loans is actually adding gasoline to the flames of Americans that are in this vicious cycle of carrying over negative equity from vehicle to vehicle and having increasing loan payments because of it. And remember, with these extra payments, I mean, the more you are spending on your car, that extra 50 or or $100 a month in payments, that's an extra 50 or or $100 a month that isn't going into your retirement accounts, that isn't getting saved, that isn't going to kids' college funds. That's money that's just getting sapped up by the thing that takes you from A to B. With all of this being said, I have a few pieces of advice for anyone looking to buy a car. Don't buy anything expensive. If it gets you from point A to point B and it's reliable, that's all you need. You really don't need a $50,000 car. If you're getting a loan on your vehicle, try to get that loan for as short of a period as you can. Don't let the salesman talk you into getting a six, seven, or maybe in the future, even an eight year loan. Try your best to cap yourself at five years. If that makes the payments too high, well then, in my opinion, I don't think you can afford that car. Next, always put down a down payment on your vehicle purchase. The bigger a down payment you are able to put, the less money you will need to borrow for that car loan. The less money you borrow means you have lower monthly payments. Just because the salesman says that you can get a car with no money down, doesn't mean that you shouldn't put money down. And finally, even though I haven't really mentioned anything about it yet in this episode, it is always an option to go shop for your financing before you actually go shopping for your car. It is totally okay for you to just go into your bank, tell them you want to buy a car, and they're going to look at your information and they're going to tell you, okay, well, if you buy this kind of car, here's what we'll offer you. If you buy this kind of car, here's what we'll offer you. And that way you can't get taken advantage of at the dealership when you go to their financing department. You can have a piece of paper in your hand that says, hey, contact this person at this bank and we'll get you your money. 
And, you know, I really just kind of threw that out there as a random last thought. But you know what? I think I'm going to reach out to a consumer lender and I'm going to see if I can't get them to come onto the show. And we're going to talk more about that. I think that's going to be a good episode. As always, I hope this episode was helpful. If you have any questions, shoot me an email. Link is going to be in the description below. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you get a notification when new episodes come out. For those of you that are newer, I release episodes every other week. So if you sign up for notifications, you're only going to get two a month. And just so y'all have something to look forward to, next time I have a crypto expert coming on the show to give us a great introduction into the world of coins, NFTs, and blockchain. I hope you all had a great new year, and I will see you all next time. Thank you for listening to the Main Street Finance Podcast. Have a question on today's topics or have suggestions for future episodes? Send an email to mainstfinance at gmail.com. Sharing is caring, so if you learned something new and useful today, make sure you share with friends and family. Don't forget to like and subscribe to be notified of new episodes. For demonstrations and more examples, be sure to check out the YouTube channel. We'll see you next time.